Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Monday, the 13th of July, 2020. When I say the word worship, what comes into your mind? Perhaps you think back to yesterday in a a church service that you were a part of, whether in person or online, where there was singing and, and people praising God through song, and there was a worship leader and a worship band on the stage. Or maybe even you would use that term more broadly to talk about a worship service and include all the elements that happened in there. What is worship all about? And I think we would all uh, agree, I would hope on some level, that worship is more than just singing, that worship should extend beyond that, that even our lives themselves should be acts of worship. So we see in Romans chapter 12. But we want to look back in the Old Testament today and even look at the er- the worship in the time of King David with the the Ark of the Covenant being brought back into Jerusalem. And how can that affect your worship? And how can that affect your week? As we start off a new week here on a Monday, how can you start that week off with worship? Well, let's look first at 1 Chronicles 14 through 16 today. 1 Chronicles 14 through 16, where we see King David now being established as king. We see him defeat the Philistines in uh, chapter 14. And then the story pivots to him bringing the ark back. Remember last week, we looked at the sin of Uzzah, who puts his hand out to stop the ark from falling and is struck dead and how they were bringing the ark back the way they weren't supposed to. They were putting it on an ox cart when it was supposed to be carried. And we see today they they do it right. But the biggest thing we see is, man, as they bring the ark back into Jerusalem, it is a celebration. It is a holiday. I don't think we have anything in our culture that, that would really help us get a good comparison to the significance of the Ark of the Covenant and what that would have had for the Jewish people. But as this box that signified the presence of the Lord came into Jerusalem, it was a grand celebration. And we even read so much of how they organized the different priests and and the different people to celebrate and to worship God in this time. But the passage I want us to dig into the most within all of this starts in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8, where we see a song, uh, a song of thanksgiving that, that David and, and the choirs there in Jerusalem are, are participating in. Let me start reading that in, in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his, tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Even as I was reading through this and looked at one of the notes in one of my study Bibles, it said that worship to to David and the chronicler here, worship is transformative engagement with God. And even see that again in those lines, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually, that we're seeking to engage with God, to seek him, to seek his presence, but to do it in a way that will transform us, to do it in a way that will change 
our lives. And so that's where, yes, when we think of, is it worship when we gather together as a church and sing? Absolutely it is. But worship should be something that we're seeking every single day, especially as we spend time in God's word, because what we want that time in God's word to be is transformative engagement with God. That as we are looking at who God is and how great he is and what he has done, we are being changed. We are being transformed. And what does that look like? Well, let's keep, let's keep reading. Verse 12 says, remember the wondrous works that he has done his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. It starts by remembering his wondrous works. So I want to challenge you to think through some things to engage with God and be transformed as you start a new week. And the first is remember, what are the works of God? We've been reading through the Old Testament now. If you've been doing this reading program with us since the beginning of the year, we've been reading through a lot of the Old Testament. What are some of the things you're going to remember from reading through the Bible this year? The the amazing things that God did. Verse 14 says, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. Wow. Another thing I'd encourage you to do is consider the promises of God. What are some of the promises of God that you are going to hold on to today? And as you engage with God and his promises, how is that going to transform you? Verse 19, when you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. All those things, now he's getting them to remember more personally their history. What are some personal things from your history that you can remember this morning and and praise God for? Verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. And it kind of culminates the end of this first song in verse 34, where it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So the song begins and ends with this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. That one of the ways we should be transformed is that we should experience gratitude. So, I want you, even as you read this psalm now, just to review some of the things we saw, what are the works of God, even from the Old Testament, that you're going to praise God for today? What are some of the promises of God that you're going to dwell on and think about? What are some personal ways you have seen God provide that you can praise him for? And how will that all lead to gratitude? That is worship. When all of that is going going on in our hearts, we are worshiping God. And that's a great way for us to start a new week. Now, next, I want us to look at Galatians chapter 6, 
verses 11 through 18, we are finishing the book of Colossians. And Paul makes an amazing statement here at the end of the book as he's again talking about these false teachers that he is, um, you know, that are really trying to compete with him. And he's again pointing out, hey, these people are in it for themselves and they want you to do what they're telling you to do so they can think, you know, so big of themselves. But Paul, he has a different perspective and he shares that in verse 14. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul's saying, hey, the only, nothing really matters to me except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm nothing and the world is nothing to me. It's all about Jesus Christ and his cross. And if I can point people to that, that's what I'm going to boast in. I am going to boast in him and his cross. I want you to stop and think, even as we were thinking about all those other things, ways to worship God. Another way I want you to worship God today as we start a new week is I want you to think, where would you be without the cross? Would you have anything to boast in without the cross? And the answer is no, nothing, nothing worthwhile. I think it is good for us to get, to start a new week by saying the cross is everything. And without Jesus dying on that cross for me, I would have nothing, nothing at all, nothing at all worth boasting about. And I hope that encourages you as we think whether from the Old Testament and the, the Old Testament works of God and the miracles that he did to the cross of Jesus Christ, that should stir up our hearts to worship as we start a new week. In the Gospels today, we get into some controversy about the Sabbath. We see two different stories in Luke 6, 1 through 11, where Jesus now gets into a confrontation with the religious leaders about the Sabbath. The first one there in verses one through five, we see the disciples are, you know, eating some heads of grain and rubbing them in their hands. And the Pharisees are upset saying, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And here, the big reason that Jesus gives is really in verse five saying the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, well, I'm I'm the one who makes the rules here and this is my rule. So I get to interpret it, not you guys. And this is really a time where Jesus is playing the card of his authority, that he is the son of man. He is the Messiah. He is God. So he's the one who gets to explain, hey, this is what keeping the Sabbath really means. And then the second story there is a different Sabbath, it says, and he's in a synagogue and there's a man with a withered hand. And Jesus, he kind of stokes the debate a little bit. And he says, hey, is it lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath? And he heals the man right there. And it's it's clear that the Pharisees were enraged. Verse 11 says they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. We see the hearts of the Pharisees exposed here. Again, they're in it for themselves, just like the false teachers in Galatians that Paul was dealing with. The focus is on themselves and and they care much more about their religious system and and their principles than they do about people. And that's, again, 
people will criticize organized religion until the cows come home. And that's where, you know, when I'm talking to evangelizing somebody and they criticize organized religion, I agree with them. And I say, hey, organized religion is can be a very sketchy thing. The question is, but then what we're tempted to do is just throw out all organized religion, period, where I think, no, the New Testament, Jesus Christ establishes a religion and the New Testament tells us how it should be organized. So the question is not organized religion or no organized religion is, is the religion true to God's word? And one way that we can tell, hey, is this religion being organized in a way that is in accordance with what God would really want comes down to, hey, what's more important, rules and rituals or people? Uh, That's an important distinction. I think in true biblical religion, we're going to see that people always have uh, an important role. I mean, that's what we see with, with Paul, right? He was saying it's not about these rituals of circumcision. It's about you and you having faith and, and bearing with one another and loving one another. That's what it's about. The Pharisees, they didn't care about that. They cared about their system. And so I pray that, that our churches will be places that are full of a focus of, of love. That's even again what we saw in Galatians 5. That's the first fruit of the Spirit. And that's the fulfillment of the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. And don't bite and devour one another. And that's really what we see Jesus living out here. As he says, hey, I'm going to care for this person in need right here in the synagogue. And I am going to heal them. Well, last today, it's our reading from the Psalms, Psalm 83, which we're getting started with today. And here again, like many Psalms, we see the psalmist starting off disturbed. He says in verse one, O God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar and those who hate you have raised their heads. And then he goes on to describe how these people are conspiring against the people of God. And we'll see the the resolution of that and where the prayer goes to tomorrow. But today, again, a good reminder, what is bothering you today? What is frustrating you today? There's a, there's a place to bring that. And that's to God. And that should be to the God that we are worshiping as we begin a new week. A God that we are remembering his works. We are remembering his promises and we are giving thanks to him today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.